Hi, this is Chris Oelamo and you're listening to From the Rookery End. Welcome to Phone the Rookerin, podcast 2.7. Uh, I'm John. With me as ever is Jason. Hello. And Mike. Yes, I'm here. Come on, Watford. <laughs> we are three Watford fans, season ticket holders in the Rookery End at Vicarage Road. And uh, as always, these podcasts are our take on life as a Watford fan. This is going to be uh, an experimental podcast. We are uh, just a, well, how, how far off? An hour off, should we say? Yep. Kick-off of uh, Watford against Reading. The game's going to be live on television. So with all the Watford fans around the world, and at home, and here in the ground, we want to make Let's it... Let's get ready to rumble! <laughs> <laughs> Let's get What's ready it? to interact! Uh, using Facebook, using Twitter, we're going to ask for your responses, and we'll put it straight into the podcast. Almost like a proper radio phone-in show, but via Twitter. But better. But better. Our first question, Jason. This is the one I want you to consider, and this is what people are going to consider at home or wherever they are with their mobile phone. Wherever you're listening, watching, whatever. Jason, we're in the transfer window. Players can leave, players can come in. What one player are you worried about leaving, and why, and what one player would you love to have back? Have you got a response? I've got a response. Okay, well, we're going to go off to an interview with uh, the chairman of the Watford Sporters Trust, and uh, just before kick-off, see what you guys are feeling. So... Who are you most worried about us losing? One player, the most critical player to our team, and which player, at any time in the, in the history of Watford, would you love to have back? A podcast made by Watford fans, fans. for Watford fans, from the rookery end. For the last few months on From the Rookery End, uh, we've had uh, one hot topic, which is uh, Lawrence Bassini, and um, the fact that, as a owner, he's yet to have a formal conversation with fans he um, wasn't able to make it due to illness to a fans forum didn't turn up to the radio interview that he was due to do the radio phoning definitely and he certainly for some fans uh, the the anxiousness of being a what fan and, and not knowing what's kind of happening definitely in details that you normally get when you have a fans forum hasn't been there yet now we've had five questions that we would like answered for mr bassini jason what are those questions those five questions again if you don't know them by now <laughs> you should do <laughs> Uh, they are, number one, why did you d- decide to invest in football? Number two, why Watford? Number three, as owner, what will represent a successful tenure? Number four, what are your plans for the stadium redevelopment and the timescale for completion? And number five is where is the money for bond repayments, stadium redevelopments and future player purchases going to come from? Now, those questions haven't been answered, but the club have asked fans to send in questions for yep. an online Q&A that he will do at some point. We haven't got a date yet, but... There is a Watford fan who's in a position that he's met Mr Bassini, that is the uh, Watford Supporter Trust Chair, John Farwell. John, you've met the man. I met the man. I met the man and... And lived to tell the tale. (laughs) Not only that, he was very pleasant and very open and very forthcoming. Uh, I don't think he, when he took on the football club, that he realised the sort of interest that there would be from the fans he's a businessman and the sort of businesses he's been involved in normally there isn't that requirement to Mm. answer for everything that you're doing there isn't that interest in in what you're doing 
Whereas with a football club, he's getting to know that the fans want to know so much. Uh, he's learning. He's admitted that he's learning about the business. The impression that I got was that he's very interested in the business of football. He finds it fascinating. Um, because he, he, he's not quite sure how it works and stays in business. It's a valid point, isn't it? Well, so that sounds a bit risky to me. Though. If he doesn't know how it works and yet he's well, coming in... Could you, uh, could, no. you, could you find anybody who knows how football I works? I think he comes <laughs> in not knowing but learning and he's prepared to learn and he wants to apply proper business principles to running a football club. That, to me, makes a lot of sense. One of, one of the things that, I mean, I'll openly admit I've been sceptical. We try, we've tried to sort of keep an open mind as a podcast and try to look at the positives and, and any potential negatives, as I think any fan should. Um, and I think it's fair to say that he probably has let down the fans so far a little bit in terms of not, not, not turning up to various, various forums. Yeah. Um, and you, you talk about the, the business and getting to know the business. Do, do you think he recognises the role that the fans play in that, in that business oh, and how important oh, yes. they are? Yes, yes, he does recognise that. And he understands that without the fans, there isn't the atmosphere. In fact, there's no reason for having a football club. So I think he does understand that properly. I think he's a man who's not very comfortable standing up in front of crowds and, and so on. And not everybody is. So that's one of those situations, I think, that we're going to have to get used to him finding a way around it. Because what we want is communication the fact that he's not necessarily stood in front of us doing it isn't the point it's the fact that he's prepared to communicate and that's key now we've got our five questions what was the what was the biggest question that you think you asked him um i thought that the biggest question i asked was about how he saw the future of the club and he kept talking about stability and that I was like that, music, yeah, yeah. music to my ears. And he was very intense about this. That he felt that it was very important that we got stability. He recognised, to a greater extent than I ever thought, just how important it is for us to stay in the division. And he is very keen that we're prepared to be flexible in our approach. So you know there was the Watford way and the very clear fixed set uh, structure and salary structure and everything he says that's not necessarily going to be possible because if we're going to stay in the division we've got to be flexible okay which i'm again as long as we don't overrun ourselves yeah. then i'm comfortable with that where, where the money comes from all i know is that there is a, a family trust and he does have money it was he, he was assessed for the ability to meet his obligations by the club and by Julian uh, when he was here, uh, and they were content that that would be fine. So I'm, I'm prepared, certainly at this stage, to take their assurances that that side of it is OK. We can't go in and say that... You show us your bank account. Yeah. We of don't course. want to seize bank no, accounts. We would, we've never asked that, and I don't think no. any like-minded fan no. would or should. But that's, that's the sort of thing, and, and we, we, we've got to accept it. As so, it's, I've found it very difficult, but I'm getting used to it, that it's different. Before we had a, um, shareholders and everybody went to the AGM. Now we've got a single owner. Mm. Yeah. 
and that's rather different. And, and he, he is bringing some new business approaches. There were certain things in the club that he was quite shocked about. Um, the extent of, of gaps in maintenance, for example, because we didn't have the money, he was quite shocked about. The uh, new seats in the rookery, they, they were an essential. It wasn't, he didn't explain that very well, but when we've talked to him, it was because they They were deteriorating so much. They were starting to get, that the cleaners couldn't clean them, and the danger was they were gonna start staining people's clothes, and they were gonna get fans complaining that they were ruining their clothes coming to the game. That would not have been a good well, thing. Especially with Watford fans at the uh, pinnacle of sartorial elegance. Absolutely. <laughs> 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 well, you know, seeing you guys, I know that really it's, it's I feel underdressed. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jason with his uh, cocktail outfit on. Absolutely. So, as probably the most sceptical and cynical one of the group, that, that's hugely exciting for me to hear. In terms of the role that you and the Trust will play going forward with, with, with Lawrence, how, how do you see that panning well, out? And I, I would see he's he's talked about having meetings and uh, meeting some of the other members of the board. Um, he's trying to find out about well, we were explaining what the trust was and where we come from. He, he was a little bit taken aback when I, I explained that we actually are constituted so that we have to get a mandate and there has to be votes and we have to consult our members before we can take decisions because he, he's not really used to that sort of situation. Um, but he was, he was interested by it, and he's even more interested. I've spoken to him since I did the report, and he went out to the yeah. members and then was all over the Yeah, the there's a report on the, uh, the Watford um, Supporters Trust website, uh, yes. which, which anyone can sit down and read. It's very detailed. They can, and yes, Which indeed. we would urge everyone to do. Yes, absolutely. Yes, and, and that, he, he was, it, it clearly... Had, he was impressed that it had such a big impact and that so many people were waiting just to hear something from a meeting between a fans group and the owner. So perhaps that was, was the sound of the penny dropping at that stage, do you think, I then think that, that there were people who are actually interested in what he has to say? And not only that, I think the penny dropped that they were really interested, but also the penny dropped that... We could, you know, there were groups who were not going to attack him at every step and that we were prepared to give him time, but we could actually communicate even if he was uncomfortable with the communication. And, and we are communicating in a different way to the official club communicators. Um, he did say that he was very keen on being judged on results. How can fans uh, get involved with the Sporters Trust? Well, they can join the Supporters Trust and if they go on to the website, click on the Contact Us button, they can then uh, email us to say they want to join and we'll send out a joining pack. The web address is www.watfordsupporterstrust.co.uk. There's always going to be issues that, that fans don't like about their club. I think a, a hot topic at the moment if, if, on the social media side of things is seeing a lot of people talking about ticket policy for the Tottenham game. That if you're a member of the trust, you can make your feelings known and that can be represented to the club. It's your club, it's our club, and it's important that we all stick together. There's not many of us. Um, there's, you know, we, as we saw at Bradford, that's probably the hardcore of Watford fans there. You know, yes, there's seven or 8,000. There's not many of us. Um, we need to work hard to protect this um, club that we all love so much. 
Um, I think it's, a, it's great what, uh, what the Office Supporters Trust are doing. I think we're all going to sign up. Jason, John and ourselves will definitely be signing up. We'll be a part of it. Thank you very much uh, for your time, John. And uh, here's to a, a great future uh, for next... Uh, for a great future I hope so, yeah. I hope it's great for the club and for all of us and all of us fans. When you grab a match day programme, check out the From the Rookery End column. Here we are, 15 minutes into the Watford-Reading game. Jason, how do you describe the start to the game so far? Um, I'd say Reading slightly on top. Uh, only slightly? Only slightly. They, they probably had the best chance. I think it was a hunt header. That uh, went just past the post. Looked, looked like he was beaten. Also, already seen uh, oh. Kebe. Kebe, got, uh, Kebe beat Dickinson for pace down the right-hand side. Looks like he's going to struggle, struggle there. It's going to be, I mean, if he's struggling already, yeah. then uh, he's well, got another 80 minutes to, to keep a, up with him. We had a free kick just missed nearby, and that was an offside shout, which was clearly not offside. It's good having Sky on because you can see the replay. It was also worth pointing out that we chose, just before the free kick, we had a we had a corner, and we did one of those cheeky little when uh, yeah. John Eustace walked up to it, feigned it to sort of be positioning it in the quadrant, tapped and actually it. just tapped it and walked away, obviously with the uh, intention of sneaking uh, sneaking the corner through. Reading wise to it, Watford not. Reading just went and got the ball, cleared it to safety. Uh, obviously talked about on the training ground, but when it came to doing it on the pitch, we absolutely fluffed our lines. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, they say, uh, Reading a little bit on top, but it's a classic championship game. Um, we, uh, we did this uh, kind of interactive live podcast, and our first question we asked you was, if there's one player you're worried about leaving this transfer window, who is it and why? And if there's one player you'd love back... Who is it? Now, we've, you've been sending us uh, your messages via Twitter and Facebook, and it's unanimous in two people. Mariapa, Adrian Mariapa, uh, and Marvin Sordell are by far the people who are most worried about leaving. Jason, who are you worried about leaving? Do you uh, agree? Or do you I, have... I agree. It's, it's between uh, those two, isn't it? And Pick one. Uh, Pick one. For me, it's Mariapa. Why Mariapa? So I think him and Nosworthy work as a as a central defensive partnership and whilst I think either or would play well with Taylor I think those two together are the better combination um, as they've both got a bit of pace about them so they can both commit to challenges knowing the other has got the pace to, to get back and defend if they uh, if they leave the defensive line whereas you can't do that with Taylor Mike which one are you more worried about, Mariapa yeah, or Sordell? I'm concerned about losing Mariapa. I think one of the things that, as Watford fans, we've had to put up with over the last couple of years is just a shaky defence. As long as I can remember watching Watford, we've always had to worry about the defence. And finally, sort of over the last couple of years, Mariapa's really come of age and he's just that rock at the heart of our defence. And, you know, not only is he solid defensively, he also, um, he's also a footballer. You know, he can play the ball out, his distribution is good. And you're really starting to see the benefit of Mariapa in our side. For, for, for us to lose him now would be an absolute kick in the ghoulies. Well, Simon Payne, Brian Kirkman, uh, Dr Billio and uh, Carl Waller all saying sword out. And I agree. Back at the beginning of the season, we weren't scoring goals and things weren't going great. Now we are starting to score goals and that's the difference. That's why we're a better team now. If Mariapa left, would we have the best possible centre-back pairing we have? My gut says no. I'm not as worried about letting goals in as I am goals drying up. Yeah, so, I mean, goals win matches, John. I mean, I hate mm. to... <laughs> can you be... <laughs> I sound more like a crap pundit if I try. Goal, <laughs> no. Goals win matches, John. 
But it's true, isn't it? I mean, we, we've lost Kitely already, which is obviously going to be a big loss in terms of creativity. Um, and we need, what you need to win games is, is someone to put the ball in the net. Marv's proved that this year and last. And while, like, while you rightly point out, keeping them out at, at one end is one thing, but uh, you're not going to win any football matches if you don't score. If he goes with the, 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 the we'd have to replace him with someone. Now we asked what you, who, what player you would like back in the side. Uh, we've had responses um, of uh, Tommy Smith from people like. Uh, Lee Sturgis, as well as um, Becca Decker. We've also had Heide Helgeson wanting to come back from uh, David O'Donnell. And uh, here's an interesting one. I thought, oh, I'm not going to... Most interesting for me, I said Luke William Fox wanted Bucko back. Oh, I wouldn't have him back. Signo. Signo Bucko. And of course, another one, a highly popular one, is... Um, was Ashley Young. Jason, why do you think those players are... They, why are they asking for those players back? It's creativity, isn't it? I think we, when Kitely uh, came in, he added that creative spark to the team. Uh, and that's, that was a big part of the scoring goals again, I think, and a, and a good run of form. Without him in the side, we maybe lack that bit of creativity up front, and that's why we, we've seen the likes of Smith uh, and Kitely are popular choices yeah. from our fans on Twitter. It is the thing that we, the, the current squad we have at the moment, bar anybody leaving um, or, or coming in, is what we're going to lack. We haven't got that creativity, and I don't think we're ever going to get the creativity back that we had for Michael Kitely because he was. Uh, He's a Premiership player. We're not going to be able to afford anybody like that back. But it is the it is the, the gap we need filling. I think more, more importantly than any other. You had a very good point there about what we can afford. And again, when you asked me the question earlier, I actually had a, a few in mind. Go on. Uh, one was the dream that we could get Kitely back. Probably yeah. won't happen. Obviously, there's a rumour that Tommy Smith might be coming back. Uh, yeah, that, that's good. But again, might be out of our league price-wise. Other clubs might might uh, come in for him. Um, I've got one that's a bit sort of left field and probably wouldn't be very popular with most Watford fans. Go on. Lee Cook. What? Lee Cook. He, he was a good, his, his allegiances aside, he's, he's a good footballer. Um, showed that he was capable of playing at this level. Uh, currently getting a bit of match fitness back at Leighton Orient. Uh, and I think he's wasted at that level. Surely he hasn't lost all that ability. He was a, he was a decent player and if they don't want him at QPR. Why not take a punt? What was his situation last year, Jace? Was he was he injured for a lot? Of I think he was in for a lot of the time. So it's key that he's getting that that sort of match fitness back at, at Orient, and and he's getting in their side regularly, I believe, and has scored as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, if why not see how he's doing? Why not take a punt on him if if money's going to be an issue getting players in? Well, it is always you always look at what you've had before because that's comfortable, and that's known. But I'm sure the player we, players we get in, we players we have no idea who they are about. But the best signing I think we could have made in this, uh, this transfer window so far, and probably the reason why I pick Marvin is my biggest worry above Mariapa, is Nyron Nosworthy. Two and a half year deal. He's permanently with us. I was delighted when that news came out the other day, Mike. Absolutely. Um... What, I mean, what's great about it is not only is, is that it's, just, it's also a signal of intent from from the club that we're we're in a position to make these signings. I've said on the on the podcast a lot. What a great effort from Sean Dyche to sign a player who virtually every every supporter will have said, "Oh, crikey, what are we buying him for?" Yeah. Um, but he's he's made a, a positive mood in the uh, in the transfer market to bring him in, and it's and it's encouraging to know that we can, if there is a player we want, we can bring him in. Mm. Um, but, Martin, M. Taylor's been a huge player for us recently. Um, for him to drop out was initially a massive concern, but 
to take real positive steps to, to bridge that gap is, uh, is a good thing, really impressive from Dyche. Well, it's great that he is back, and uh, to celebrate, we, of course, had to do a From the Rooker End song for Nyron. They try to get the ball past Nyron, but he say he knew, knew, knew. For the blades he was bad, but now he's come back, we know, who know, who know. If you're a number nine, then you're wasting your own time. They try to get the ball past Nyron, but he say he knew, knew, knew. From the rookery end. 25 minutes in, um, the ref <laughs> isn't getting exactly on the Watford fan side. Are is you at well in disguise? Are you at well in disguise? And I, I have a feeling something could happen again. It's got that feel, there's that feel in the air, isn't there? That it's just something's going to go for one team or the other, it's going to be a bad decision, it's going to work in their favour. Yeah, and it, but that's, it is such an evenly balanced game. It, is, it might be a, a silly moment from somebody, might be a player, might be a referee that's going to cause that. But yes, he, he's, he's a referee, he's a, he's a slowing the game up referee, and they're the ones I don't like. Oh, yeah, I, I, I think the trouble is he, he's tried to play advantage on a couple of occasions. It hasn't come and he's brought the, brought the play back, and I think the crowd have reacted badly to it. I think that there was a, a, a the offside was a bad decision, wasn't it, Mike? Uh, yeah, absolutely awful. I mean, obviously, you can't blame the ref for, but I think other than that, he's got it right. I, uh, we, the fans reacted badly to the corner job. We saw that it was, uh, I mean, it was a fair decision. It begs the question, though, doesn't it? I mean, we've got the benefit sitting here of watching Sky and the football, and um, with the benefit of a very, very... It didn't take long for the replays to come through. We could see that was the wrong yeah. decision before they'd even taken the free kick. So, yeah. age-old question, but what do we think of, uh, of technology to help uh, the officials? That's a very good point there, Mike, actually. If, yeah, if, with the delay that you've got on, uh, on Sky Sports, you can actually see what's going on as soon as the uh, events happened on the pitch. And it was seconds, only seconds. But for me, it isn't goal line technology. It's more than that. It's it's you, you know you have to have every every line, every bit of the pitch technology, not just the goal line. Let's see how this referee does then. Let's see, come on, ref. You need to up your game, son. <laughs> and a simple mistake it took. Uh, goal for Watford, an own goal. What a, what, a, what a great advert for getting the ball in the box early, though. Quick break from Watford. Dini down the side, he put a dangerous ball in. And the, the, the Reading defender panics, 1-0 Watford. Uh, still to come on from the Rooker end, we've got our 100 objects where we chat to Watford legend Steve Terry about his headband. Plus, we chat to big Chris Iwalumu. Iwalumu? Iwalumu. Anyway, doesn't matter. He'll tell us exactly how you say his name properly. Jason, welcome back. <laughs> Jason's come back from the toilet and, uh, Jason, you missed a goal. You missed, you missed an own goal. I did. I, I, I had to. I rushed back and saw the repeat on the screen. I was literally <laughs> walked around the corner, and as I sort of walked up the side of the East End, I had a, the, the sort of initial the oh, as the uh, little groan as, as yeah. the, the, the break up the wing, and I thought, uh, shall I stop? And I thought, no, I'll carry on. Turn around the corner, and there was a big roar. Oh, that's definitely a goal roar. <laughs> Ran back out and uh, saw the yeah saw the goal on the big screen. Well, we, you went you went to the toilet in the East Stand. In we're, the East Stand, we're in the, the press toilets, yeah. And the thing is, when we used to sit, when Watford fans were sitting in, they sit in there with my dad, he always just sent me to the toilet, because every time I went to the toilet in the East Stand, Watford scored a goal. Mike, do you need the toilet? <laughs> <laughs>
I do, but I'm not going to mention it on air, the way I'm feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Things you've missed as a Watford fan, that's an, a good next question to ask for your interaction. What big and little Watford moment have you missed and why? We'll be back with your responses soon. This is Britta Somalonga doing the conga on from the rookery end. Not sure if we should actually um, to do a, a chatty bit after Watford uh, just let the goal in. Yeah, um, Jimmy Kebe made it one all. Jason's dummy verdict. Dicko was nowhere. Dicko was nowhere. What we, what's, our, what's our verdict? Jason, it, back it, to the toilet it, with you. It, it, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've, just, I've just said to uh, Nolino on, on uh, Twitter that I might have to take another trip. Well, that Is was that a, a trip. Or? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was our uh, that was our uh, question, last question to you uh, on Facebook and Twitter, um, and some great responses. What have you missed? What big things? What tiny things have you missed? This is really being this is, a Watford fan. I've got a brave one to kick things off from Geordie Connor. Watford obviously um, had a great win against Bradford in 1989. They thumped Bradford 7-2. Geordie missed it because his dad took him to see the Nutcracker Suite. Oh. A bit of ballet from Mr Connor there. Well, uh, not good of you to admit it. Um, I, I, I missed that game because me and my dad had flu. And it was proper man flu. And we were really really tough against it. Um, Dr Billy O, thanks for getting in touch again. He's got a more, uh, well, dare I say it, uh, manly reason for missing all five um, England goals. Not strictly a Watford thing, but he missed all five England goals in the route against Germany in, uh, in Munich due to going to either the bar or the toilet. So similar to you there, Jake. Uh, yeah, I've got one from uh, Dean Morrissey. It, it is another Lou one. Uh, he missed Pierre Issa's stretcher drop as oh, he was no, in the Lou. Uh, and, and as he has put, it, it, apparently it was the highlight of Yali's reign. I, I did like... There's a lot of people that agree with you, Dean. Matt, I did... Matt Page here, he's got an extraordinary reason for missing the entire 2002-2003 season. He was in Bosnia. Fair play to you, Matt. <laughs> well, that's, that's a really good reason. Uh, Robert Bliss... Missed the, the Cardiff playoff final. It wasn't due to a holiday or due to a, a nutcracker suite. It was due to the fact that he had to finish off his dissertation, which was due the next day. And he says by finishing off, he actually means writing 10,000 words, which I suppose he'd probably put off about six months to, to get there. Good lad, you've got your priorities right. Damien, uh, Damien Owens, he got in touch via Twitter. He missed both goals in a 1-1 draw away to Brentford because he took a wrong turn on the way and both goals were scored in the first five minutes. So if ever there was an advert for a, a sat-nav for Christmas, there it is. <laughs> well, yeah, it is true. You, you, you know, you can't go... To, not many fans go to every single Watford match and are sat in their seats for every single minute and you, you do miss things. Um, but thanks for getting in touch with that. There were some fantastic stories there. Remember, keep in touch... As always, email at any time, podcast at fromtherickerend.com. Here it is, a collection of historic and intriguing items that define Watford Football Club. Oh, it's Watford in 100 objects! Our search for 100 objects that define Watford Football Club continues. We're up to number 20-odd now, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, still a fair way to go. And this month we've got four brilliant items. The first one was sent in to us via email podcast at fromtherickerend.com by Rod Fine. It's a sticker album. Brilliant. Can I just say, as, an, as a parent, I now understand how annoying sticker albums are <laughs> and how they would have been to my mum and dad. Oh, why can't I just have more packets? Why can't I buy a whole box of packets, mum? Because they're expensive and you probably get three Gary Linekers, which you've already got. That's why. Uh, this one, though, is from 1970. The Wonderful World of Soccer Stars Gala Collection often known in the playgrounds across the UK as just soccer stars. I can tell this is going to be amazing. I've never heard of it, so it's just bound to be absolutely You'll love it. You're going to love this. Uh, Rod said it predates Panini by several years. 
It had all the first division clubs. It had a second division star gallery, which had two players from each team. Watford was represented by Stuart Scullion and Barry Endine. Plus, there was also the two European Cup finals teams and the best of the Mexico 1970 World Cup. It looks amazing. He sent, me, he sent us some photos, which will be on the blog. Now, this is the best bit. There was only two Watford players in the main sticker album, but you could send off, and pay for, of course, your favourite second division team if you wanted. But it wasn't individual stickers. It was a single sheet with 15 players on each. He, of course, sent off for the Watford team. They are amazing. <laughs> they are absolutely fantastic. And yes, there have been a lot of sticker albums out there with a lot of Watford players, especially in the uh, 80s when we were up in the, uh, the old first division. But that one had to go in. Our second item, Jason. Our second item is actually our most suggested item that we've had. And it's the Benskins beer bottle from the 1984 Cup Final, the one that was specially produced. Now, in fact, we've had so many suggestions, guys. If anyone out there wants to donate, I think we probably have enough for a From the Rookery and Night Out on the Beer. So, uh, yeah, feel free if anyone wants to donate to uh, From the Rookery. We want to be around the morning after, after a night on that beer, though. <laughs> it has been the best what? part of how long? <laughs> almost yeah, 30 almost, years. almost 30 years. Right, so Mike, uh, third object. Brilliant one. We got to talk to uh, talk to the player involved. This is something that was um, adorned a player, um, a, a player who was uh, took part in what Watford's one of Watford's sort of well our best era really the eighties. It was Mr. Steve Terry. Uh, we were lucky enough to get to talk to Steve about this particular item, um, and John started off by um, establishing just exactly what this item is. Was it technically a headband that you wore? Not really. What it was was a bit of like a, I can't remember what it was called, Sodi grip or something, foam it was, and they used to get the club used to get it for it because I got stitches against Norwich and I played the following week, so I was training as well, so I had about 14 stitches, so I wore this foam to protect it and I had to wear it for the next game. And it was still really sore for a couple of months, you imagine, because I was heading the ball as well with cut the stitches still in. So uh, I just kept on wearing it, and in the end it became just because my scar tissue on my forehead was so soft that I um, wore it to protect it. And every time I didn't wear it, sod's law, I got a cut. So I just it became a habit, and I just wore it. It's not like the Steve Foster one, which he wore, and he had his hair long as well. It was just the purpose was just to protect a cut, really. My daughters look back on some of the photos of... They're dead, like now they look and think, What the hell, what do you look like? You know, <laughs> but it was just, you know, it was not no vanity then or anything, it was just done for a reason. If you yeah, never took to wearing it around the house or anything like that, in case you sort of banged your head on the uh, I used to, I no, it wouldn't work because I always do the top of my head, so <laughs> I so we used to live in a cottage and I always used to do it in my head anyway, so no, but so no, then reason because I you probably still see slight faint scars there now, yeah. and it's just I must, I've been no good as a boxer because I've got sort <laughs> soft tissue around the. And stuff. Um, do you ever give one away, like for, for to fans? The fans ask for them. Not really, because you probably have found them on the pitch. Because what happens? They used to come off, and then I used to put, like, take it off as I went off the pitch, and then um, put another. Just I used to have. They used to cut strips of it out for us. Put some uh, like balsam stuff, which dry your forehead. Because you imagine at half time you're sweating cobs, and before I went out, I dried it, and then they put some like so it'd stick and stay on. Yeah, you you were around the club at probably the, well well. 
it is the goal, it was a golden era, I suppose, of a club. What was it? How was your experience? Well, I was lucky to be at a club when you know I joined them when I was a young kid when I was about 12, 13 when they were in the fourth division. So, the following year I was like apprentice when they won the third division and then made my debut when I was 17 in the like the division we're in now, like the um, championship. And so, you... and I played in the year we uh, got promoted, which was you know 17, 18. I was then. So that's so every time you're going up the leagues. To, Graham Taylor's looking at you to see if you can play in the you know, different leagues. So it's uh, it was like, oh, good to go up. But you thought, well, is he going to keep me on here? Because we're playing in uh, the top flight sort of thing now. So, And then, of course, then we went to finish second in our first year. I didn't play, I only played sort of half a dozen games. And then uh, the following year was like Europe. And then the following year, we got to the cup final. So it was always something going on. And then... I think the last year, I was doing it because I had to go over there. My last game was against West Ham, I think, and that's when Steve Harrison was uh, the manager. So I went through Graham Taylor, then Dave Bassett, who was the wrong person for the job, and then uh, Steve Harrison, who sold me to give me a new contract and sold me to Hull. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I mean, as fans looking on, we'd imagine it to be a very, very exciting time for a player to go up through It was through all that, mates. That, it was all mates because I come up with Kenny Jacket. Um, yeah. Uh, Nigel Barnsley, we were in digs together for five years, me and Barnsley, so we used to get up to mischief and stuff, but you know, nothing going out drinking, I think. We never used to drink. Uh, our bit used to be going to uh, Watford Town Centre for Wendy's or, or um, <laughs> okay. Burger King. That was our <laughs> yeah, habit. But you mentioned you mentioned the sort of worry about getting another a contract as Watford moved up through the division. So for the, for the young players like yourself, was that, did that, was there a bit of apprehension? Well, there's a lot of turnover, a lot of lads around, a lot of turnover players who sort of played in the youth team and reserves who did go and because we've done better I played made my debut at Sunderland uh, we lost 5-0 actually um, they, I didn't realise that I, I'm the only player who played in two away games apparently that lost both games 5-0 it was 5-0 against Sunderland and we played in the League Cup on the Tuesday and we lost 5-0 again so that's quite a good yeah, to lose 5-0 on your I've done enough congratulations no, like, <laughs> that was a good start wasn't it 10 goals and none, none, <laughs> 10 against none 4 so but no but it was like that. you go for it and it is just like you're all mates together and it's just, it was a good atmosphere lads you know because probably not the best players but we all worked we trained really hard under Graham Taylor so we was always the fittest side as well so we always knew we could sort of run teams into the ground which we did most of the time and we're here, we're interviewing at half-time here at Vicarage Road. Do you still get that feeling when you walk, walk into the place? You, yeah, it's, like it's still the same friendly atmosphere and everything. So I'm working, doing the PA and been over there. And the same stewards are still around that I was here when I, I'm getting on a bit, some of them. But no, it's always family club, Watford. So you love coming back to, well, it's a bonus that will do the work, get paid to do it and can watch a game as well. So, And any thoughts on this current uh, current crop? It's a shame that it looks like... The, Few of them have been looked at, and they saw Dell and uh, Mariapa, and I think Watford's got a good youth, you know, youth team and all that sort of stuff. But a lot of the bigger teams are having a look at them now, so that's the way life is. So it's not it's not going to be easy. It's just uh, staying in this championship. I think now. Is, yeah. 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 The other thing we're talking about from your era at the moment, well, not necessarily your era, but it's, it might sound a bit trivial, but the best ever Watford stash. It's got to be someone like Steve Sims, isn't it? Oh, someone like Steve say. Sims or. Steve Sherwood had one. Who else was there? Tony Cohen's been brought up a lot. Tony Cohen, yeah, because he hasn't got one now. Malcolm Poskett? Yes. If you, if you had to have the deciding vote as a player, Steve, what, who would you go for if you had to decide on there? Uh... Oh, for the thickness of it and everything, I think I'd go for Steve Sims one because he hasn't got a moustache now and he's sort of got no hair at all now, so you're probably 
quite glad to grow one like that again, but Simsy, because he looks completely different without it. You wouldn't know it was him. So was Tony, you, you know it's Tony, but Simsy, without that moustache, he's not the, half the man. Half the man, yeah. <laughs> half the man. And he's right. You've got it. There's no argument, is there? There, is, there was Cotton, there was Wilkinson, there was Penrice, Steve Sherwood, Les Taylor, Brian Bol Pollard was suggested to us on, our, on, on, on Facebook, Roger Jocelyn, even Luther Blissett had a moustache at one he point. Did, yeah. It wasn't a good one, though, was it? No. no. I, uh, my favourite, I think, has to be uh, uh, Gary Penrice's. Well, Paul Morris. Are we allowed to use that on, on a family <laughs> podcast? <laughs> but Steve Sims has to go on for, as, as, uh, as Steve Terry said, for the, uh, the depth and, uh, and, and thickness of it, yeah. and density of it. The sign, uh, the sign of any good facial furniture is that you want to go up and touch it. It's almost like a, <laughs> a, a non-living pet that you want to just go and touch and feel and just sort of... And with Steve Sims's, you get the feeling that you went up to... T you could go up to it and touch it and you'd lose probably two-thirds of your finger <laughs> in it. That's, it, was, it was amazing and it was shiny and it was just well-kempt, thick, bushy, brilliant. The uh, Reading goalkeeper is getting a bit of a uh, taunt for falling over uh, oh, outside right. the... Uh, oh, didn't he, yellow? I think they, did he book him? I don't know. Um, Shouldn't do. Uh, Fishing getting a bit out of control still in this game. Anyway, yeah, if you have a suggestion for 100 objects, then make sure you email us, podcast at fromtherookerend.com. It's an object that might be special to you and your relationship with the club, or it might be an object that represents an historic moment in the club. So it's podcast at fromtherookerend.com. Read the musings and ramblings on the podcast blog at fromtherookerend.com. Composition of the Hornets with base number 7, Mark Yates. It's a base by number 10, Chris Irlo. So Big Chris is coming on. It's a lovely timing as we introduce our interview with Big Chris. <laughs> uh, we got to catch up with Chris uh, a couple of weeks ago at the Watford training ground. Uh, and we, uh, well, there was only one question we could start the interview with. Thank you, Chris, for joining us today. Before we get into the real questions, Mike wants to start off to clear it's, something up. It's probably a question you get asked every interview. You will, Amor. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Second question. Not a problem. Lottery, lottery numbers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now okay. we've got, we got that cleared up. Um, do you ever have a, a nickname? Well, obviously Big Chris, but Loons is, Loons is what I've been called by most. So, yeah, it used to be Lumo at Stoke, but uh, uh, Mick McCarthy's changed it to Loons and it's kind of stuck, so... Obviously, you're probably aware when you came to the club, uh, Danny Graham had such a good year last year. When you join the club, do you look at how previous strikers have got on before? Well, like I say, I know Danny anyway. Uh, I remember we had a, we had a good chat and a, a little night out when I think we'd uh, Burnley we'd beat Watford 3-2 at the Burnley match. And uh, he, he kicked on, he kicked on again. He was kind of, I think he was spewing because I was like one or two goals in front of him, but he was just that adamant and, like I say, just a professional guy and just wants to kind of can I accept himself to get the best out of himself, you know? So, yeah, of course, you know, you know the history, you know players. I think with the, how good the, the football's kind of dialogued and watched, you know everything that's going on in the game now. So, uh, yeah, as I knew what what he had done, uh, 27, 28 goals is fantastic testament to himself. But like I say, he's uh, he's moved on. I knew I, I came with, with pressures that I'm a different kind of player. Uh, it was one of the things I never. I don't. You don't put pressure on yourself. You set yourself targets, which I'm very far behind at the minute, but I'll uh, hopefully the second part of the season I'll kick on, you know. 
and setting those targets, do you, do you feel that pressure and how do you cope with that pressure? It's just part and parcel of the game, you know, I think uh, there's, there's so many targets set for, for, for every player, you obviously got to kind of make sure that you get in the team for one, you've got to make sure you perform to stay there, but like I say, the, the, but the most important thing is winning games and we've been doing that, which, is, which has been good, which takes a kind of a little bit more pressure off yourself from scoring goals although personally everyone's kind of got their own kind of targets to kind of reach you know but his brilliant strike partners Marvin he had he had a brilliant season up front with, with Danny last yeah. year he's done well again this year yeah. uh, although you're newer to the club than Marvin do you see it as your role to sort of put an arm around him and help him through and he's having a tough like time said, and... yeah yeah he's, he's, he's one of them he's uh, he doesn't really need the arm around the shoulder I think uh, he's a quiet lad but he's he's confident in his own ability and and that's 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 massive that's half the battle if not if not more so 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 now he's, he knows what he's got to do. It's obviously, I think he'd be a little bit disappointed himself with the goals as well. I think he's always wanting to score more goals, which is which is a fantastic thing for us, you know. So uh, there's, it's a young squad, but like I say, there's there's no there's no fear or, or anything there. It's a great bunch of lads. But Marvin himself, yeah, he's uh, he knows what he's about. He knows he knows what he, when he's on it, he's he's, he's unplayable. So uh, hopefully we see more of that that, that side of him, you know. You're one of the uh, older players in this oldest. squad. You are the oldest. <laughs> <laughs> Still as old as Jason. And mate. still youngest, younger than all us, though. <laughs> um, uh, was that, was that, is that part of the decision that you knew the Watford Young Club that you, you, you'd like to play that sort of older mentor? Uh, well, no, not really. You know, I think uh, Eddie Howe came in at Burnley and, and straight away I knew that my face never fitted. You know, it was one of the things that I, I took up. Every player, you, you want to play every game and if you don't want to play every game then you shouldn't be a football player, you know, and I knew, I knew it was going to be a hard season if I stayed there. You know, obviously I, I spoke with a few clubs through the summer Spoke with the gaffer and uh, and that was it. Kind of, it was it was still a lot of decisions to make. You know what I mean? Me and my missus sat down. We kind of put our heads together. Obviously, my daughters are at school and all that, so that kind of made things a, a bit harder. You know, but uh, it's just one of the things. I've, I've made the right decision and I'm I'm delighted to be here. You know what I mean? I'm I'm loving every day coming in. Obviously, you need to play and you want to play and you want to score goals and win games. So it's uh, like I say, I'm 33 years old now and the the desire and the the, the for the game's still there. Like I say, it's. Uh, I'll, I'll ever be chubby at the gaffer when I'm not playing like every player should do. That's the way I've always. That's the way I've been brought up, and the way it should be. There should be any easy decisions for, for the gaffer to leave players out. You know, so no, I'm 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 happy where I am. Obviously, it's uh, there's certain targets I need to kind of pull my finger out a wee bit and uh, and step up. So we don't we don't want to go on about you being old because you've been worked out. You're not. You're younger than all us. But you're, you're experienced. You played international football. You played Premier League football. You, you played Championship football. Is there something that you know now that you wish you'd known when you were just starting out, right at the start of your career? Well, I've there's no regrets that's in life itself you know I think uh, you live once you make sure you do what you can do and it's I wouldn't change anything in my career you know I've, uh, I went to Denmark at 19 went to Germany at 26 and like I say I, I, I got to the I got to the Premiership which was my, my, my aim you know and okay there's a wee bit of unlock there break, break my foot the first game into the, the, the pre-season of that but that's football for you you know so so now I've, I've had a great career I've, I've loved every single minute of it you know what I mean and uh, like I say long may it continue I'm feeling I'm feeling good as ever at the minute so there's not even any thoughts in my mind or anything I'm, I'm, I'm just enjoying every minute of it it's good to know we've got um, Michael Kitely on loan here at the moment and Mark Yates both players you've played in teams with and one promotion yeah. with. Yeah, both um, made a lot of goals for me as well, so I was buzzing, I'm buzzing with that. So so, so how easy is it for them to then sort of come to another club and you sort of pick up where you've left off? Uh, I think even for, for any footballer, uh, like I said, I've said to you already, I went to Denmark and went to, to no matter where you are, football's it's, it's worldwide, you know, and it's, you meet the same characters in every single team, so that's why I think it's you see footballers moving from one club to another because it is so easy. 
I know it's all about loyalties to club and all that, but it's the other side of it, okay, I can understand foreign players coming to this country and with the language barrier and things like that, but for players to go from one team to another, it's not as hard as what you, you might find because you know someone, you'll definitely know someone through someone or and it's always, uh, like I say, there's, there's, no, there's not really any bad characters in the game no more. I remember back in the day there used to be cliques and all that and it's the days are gone now, so it's uh, so I wouldn't say there's it's so much of a problem, you know. You mentioned uh, bad characters. Who's the, who are the good characters? Who are the real standout characters here at Watford? At Watford? Well, there's a few. You know what I mean? I think on the first day, I, uh, I just remember walking in, being in the dressing room, what, about 20 minutes, and, and Troy was getting called a, a school bully, you know what I mean? So that was one of them I kind of... And he is, I, I love Troy to bits, you know what I mean? He's, he's a great character, always always takes the banter to the... Sometimes I'd say he crosses a line, but it's, uh, <laughs> he does it so well. It's uh, it gets taken in uh, in good in good humour. But like I say, it's some obviously Dicko. I travel on with Dicko. You stay in that. You see, he's a special special kind of breed. Dicko's <laughs> Dicko's like Tasmanian devil, isn't he? But he's uh, nah. He's there's, honestly there's there's so many characters here, and it's and there's great great, great United group. You know what I mean? And uh, like I said, I don't know if you've just watched the the training today, but it's 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 unbelievable. And that was after a weekend or a Christmas party. You know what I mean? So it's it's frightening. <laughs> so it's not. I'm, I'm like I said, I'm in a happy place, and I'm, I'm sure if you ask anyone else, everyone's kind of buzzing. So the, the the main thing is now we just got to kind of pick up some points, pick up a few wins, and just kick on. Got something to send the boys? Then email podcast at fromtherookeryend.com. We are now in a very quiet Vicarage Road. Uh, Watford have, uh, have have gone off the pitch over Reading. Uh, Reading left with the smiley faces as yeah. they finish the game, two-one victors. Yeah, off the pitch and off the boil, really. Unfortunately, mm. it has to be said, they just weren't really at the races. They didn't get started today, um, as most people have seen on the TV or, mm. or here at the ground. It was, I don't know. It started off a very scrappy game, um, as many games are in the Championship, I suppose. And and what Watford have done in the past, and which is something that we've been proud of, is, is battled their way into these sort of games and and kept a foothold. They haven't been out of sight in, in in any game and they haven't really sort of um, surrendered as such um, but they never really felt like in this one that they had a, had a real real foothold especially after after Reading equalised and uh, mm. it was really disappointing after after the after the period we've had um, we've, we've mentioned before we've been we've been able to be very positive in the last couple of podcasts about how how the, our fortunes have turned round but um, we're ending on a uh, on a disappointing note here too. normally we do, normally when we do podcasts Watford have won just seeing Sean Dyche actually going down the tunnel, I think he's, he's done his, his press conference already, and he looks fuming. He marched down the uh, down the pit down the tunnel. I think he might have been going for a word with the with the referee. But that you can talk about officials, and it, I think they had a t- they had a bad game tonight. Probably as bad for Watford as it was for Reading. Seeing him that cross probably shows how how. Um, how um, just waving to Lloyd Doyley there. <laughs> yeah. um, if you heard the rustle of coats. <laughs> uh, well, what was I saying? God, I've got all starstruck at seeing Lloydy. <laughs> um, saying about uh, Dice. You know, the fact that he's so cross, I think, does indicate that we can't afford to lose games. He's obviously really peed off. Mm. Um, that we've turned in a, 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 a below-average performance um, after a, after a reasonable performance against Bradford, poor uh, and another our last league performance was against Portsmouth, which again was was poor, and we are still so close to that bottom bottom three. And well, there, are, there are um, you know, here you goes me being Mister Stupidly Positive. There are a lot of clubs close to that bottom three, Michael. A lot of clubs. Yeah, but we don't want to be close to them. We want to be especially after that run we had of, of, of not winning. I'm I'm going to be quiet and let. And let you guys just sort of. Chase, what do you think of the game? Dead. Well, the game, I think it's already been said, is it was a, it was a poor game, a bit scrappy. Um, 
a lot of huff and puff from Watford. You, you can't deny they, they weren't trying hard out there, but there was a lack of quality. Um, and I think Reading just said that a little bit more about them. They seemed to they seemed to break quite well when they when we lost the ball. They they had pace up front. Um, whereas we yeah we really lacked anything. They they seemed to keep Marvin quiet. Mm. He never really looked like he was in the game, um, and sort of shutting off that one outlet of of, uh, of creativity we seem to have up front there. It it, it meant we were going to struggle to score goals, and in fact, obviously, the goal came from a, a Reading player anyway. A moment of luck for us. Yeah, it was a bit of a. Uh, well, he literally just karate kicked that ball in, didn't he? Yeah, but that second goal. Yeah, going back to our goal though, lovely. Um, we've accused Prince Brabin, I think, of being a bit anonymous at, at times. Mm. Um, we're, we're worried about the creativity. I think uh, a lot of the conversations before this particular game and and since Michael Kitely went back have mm. been concerns about the creativity. Where's that? You know, where's that spark going to come from? We we remember very very well the start to the season when it was a, a Eustace and Hogg partnership and. Which, you know, pretty much gummed up the whole works, didn't it? There was yeah. no real uh, nice spark. Of but Brabham for today yeah. for that goal, really nice bit of skill, getting the ball out wide. Dini, who again is another positive, I'm sure we'll come on to him. Let's, let's, let's talk about positive. Let's, let's finish this podcast on a positive. What are the great things have been Watford for the last month? Jason, you go first. Positives in the last month, well, <laughs> obviously uh, when he was here, Mr Kitely. Well, like I said, the positive um, thing is his, his exit. He left on a high. He he left Vicarage Road on a high, didn't he? With yeah, that, with that great finish, which was awful. Yeah, which yeah. Was, it was a poor game. But his last game here, contrast to uh, today's game, lots of excitement, lots of goals for the Hornets. Uh, finished off, like we said, with Kitely's little run and and doing what he seemed to do best when he was here. It, it wasn't his first uh, goal from the edge of the box, slotted into the bottom corner, was it? So but I think uh, it was his only goal with a, a marching band playing, uh, <laughs> playing next to him. Probably his only goal ever in his career of a marching yeah. band. Certainly the only one. Right. Encouraging that we can attract people like Kitely, and you know, mm. the, the reason he is with us, let's be clear, is that Wolves wanted him fit. Uh, Mick McCarthy wanted him getting getting game time, um, but I'm sure there would have been a lot of potential suitors. Mm. Um, and the fact that um, we trusted, yeah, yeah, people um, trust us with their players like that. You know, and uh, so that's a good sign. Right, another good. I'm going to go with I'm going go with Johnny Eustace coming back in that Bradford game. Not only did he put in a performance of I want to play. Yeah, you give me the chance, and I will show you how I play, but also the fact that he went through most of that game with blood pouring from his forehead. And if you look at the front cover of the, uh, of the Reading programme, you can see the slight bit of blood coming on there. I don't know if it's an earlier photograph or some of that blood has been photoshopped, but it wasn't. It was a lot more red on him by the end of the, uh, by the, end of the game. Mike, what's your good? Yeah, he's an archetypal blood and thunder player, isn't he? Is, yeah. isn't he? John Eustace. Um, uh, I think um, I think Troy Deeney, I mentioned him a little bit earlier on, I think Watford, Watford fans had been looking forward to seeing um, Deeney in action and, and as the season's worn on he's been he's featured more and more, hasn't necessarily come up with the goals but what he has done and what I think is important for supporters and, and Watford supporters is that his performances, he's been, he's never say die, you get 100% from him every time. You, know, you should get 100% from your players anyway, but he's a real, you know, Tommy Mooney comes to mind when you see Troy. Nothing's a lost cause with him. Um, and the, the situation we're in, i.e. down the bottom with the, in a relegation scrap, and that's what it is now. Um, again, we're, we're back to looking over our shoulders, but he never gives up, and I think they're the sort of players you want on your team and want playing while you're scrapping, fighting, that you know, they're going to nick, nick that last-minute goal in a melee and sort of go in for the 50-50s with the goalie and not worry about getting hurt. He's going to go in for the team. Um, and I think the fans have picked up on that. And um, 
he's rewarded us. So I think that's good. I, I, just, just quick, I just want to point out, uh, we're here, obviously Saracens are playing here tomorrow. And I don't know if anyone used to play Sabutio when they were younger. <laughs> yeah. But they've just painted the, uh, whatever, the is it the, the 22 on the yeah. pitch? And the goal, it looks like a Sabutio pitch. I want to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to I'm looking for the the man-sized ball. I don't know. Man-sized ball. Man-sized <laughs> ball. You should play yeah, man-sized it's cold, balls. It's not that cold. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, another <laughs> word of the good for you. I think the performances generally have been a lot better than they were at the start of the season, and they've been, they've been consistent. And it was nice to be able to sort of come to games feeling a bit more confident, knowing that the guys were going to compete against the likes of Cardiff and Leeds that we, that we, see, that we saw in December, uh, Doncaster and all their premiership players. We, we sort of put them to the sword. I know they went down to 10 men, but we looked better than a, a team full of, of supposed premiership stars. And, uh, so, yeah, good performances, consistent performances. Uh, that was a, a big positive for me in the last month. Well, that's why today probably feels a bit bad, because mm. we had seen improving performances yeah. over a longer period of time. And, uh, but this is almost like, feels like a little bit of a step Yeah, back. let's not forget as well, look, we're running around the table. They are in the playoffs, uh, and we won there uh, early in the season. That was our first win of the season. So, uh, again, sort of, we can't get too downhearted. It's just... One win, what we well, sorry, one defeat. What we need to do now, so he's put that behind us. Well, Jason, uh, but it isn't, though, is it? Game. Our last, our last league game was against Portsmouth, and that was a, that was a, a, a troubling defeat. I, I had the misfortune to, to go down there, and you know, we, again, we were in the game. We didn't, we certainly didn't get trounced, and, and by no means were uh, Portsmouth a, an outstanding side. But it was another poor performance with you know, li- little little things adding up to, to to concerning issues. You know. In that Portsmouth game, especially, we had a lot of the ball out wide. Um, countless crosses not clearing the first man. Now we're talking about Kitely, Kitely not um, uh, not being around anymore, missing that creative spark. So if we are going to get the ball out wide, we need to make it count, and we just haven't been doing it. And you know, that's, that, yeah, that's two. But we know we can do it because we have been doing it. For, and I know we talk about Kitely, but we, we, we're certainly not a weren't a one-man team. Um, although he had a big influence, so we know we can do that, uh, put in those performances. And then, and then you've so got it shouldn't take too much to. to no, I to agree. Get back I, I agree. We've got it in us. I agree. We've got it in us. But we've, uh, but run, losing runs can be damaging for morale. And it's coming. You know, it's coming. It's cold, and you know, <laughs> the crowds are low, and, and and it's just it's just hard. Can we to, to pull ourselves out of it? And it, it quickly can become a bad run, and it's and it's easy to get caught up in looking at. You know, we've only lost two in. 12 or 3 and 13 whatever it is now but just looking at what we've got coming up so we've got Birmingham away who knows yeah you know you take, mm, take that, it, that's a tough yeah, one you take it all there one. then you've got Tottenham now, at home I mean, that, that's, that's, a good, that's a good for me that's one of the goods for last month we've got a good big club coming to here that game no matter actually the result this place will be buzzing yeah, it'll be great we, fun but what if we lose 5-0 that's you know, Tottenham, and they're they're they're, yeah, play, yeah, they're one of the best teams in the country. Yeah, but I'm not having that, John. I think if you, I mean I'm not saying we will lose five. No, come on, yawns, you can do it. Cup upset, <laughs> yeah. let's bring it on. But you know, say we lose at Birmingham, we get we get stuffed by by, by oh, Tottenham. Oh, it's then we're pressing. then we're away at Millwall, and but my point is, we need to be careful, and we need to be. But and I say this every month. So we've got a role to play, as supporters. <laughs> Try and stay more positive than me. Would be my, <laughs> would be my, message. Mike is the bottom of the positivity scale. Mike, one more positive for me. Come on, give it, let's finish off with a, with a Mike positive. Proper Mike parking positive. They tried to take the ball off Nairon, but he said <laughs> no, 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 no. Great that we could sign him. Um, I basically thought he was going to do, go after, after we had him on loan. Really pleased that, that, he, that he signed on a permanent basis. 
nice to know that we can be active in the transfer market. Nice to know that we can bring these permanent signings in. Um, we spoke earlier to John from the Watford Supporters Trust, who um, was encouraged uh, by things he'd heard from Lawrence Bassini. Maybe things are starting to actually happen. Um, that can, you know, there's still reservations. We, we still haven't heard from him publicly, um, but he's obviously made some sort of outlay there to, to bring uh, Nosworthy into the club. So really pleased that, that, that that's taken place. Um, it's good to have competition for places. So we've got Taylor, Mariapa and, and Nosworthy. You wouldn't mind um, any of those three being in your, um, your centre-back pairing. So great, great for him to come in. And we've got to sing that song. <laughs> Everyone must sing that song. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans. for Watford fans. From the rookery end. So it's another month of Watford football. Um, we're back uh, with our away... Day special next month where we'll be heading off to Nottingham Forest uh, thank you again for listening thank you very much for interacting and, uh, and sending in your comments uh, we try to get as many on as, as we could um, keep following us on Facebook uh, facebook.com forward slash Rookery End on our, our Twitters I'm Rookery John Rookery Mike at Jace Bailey and uh, yeah just keep getting involved check out our um, we do a column in the programme as well so read that thanks to John Farwell uh, Chairman of the Watford Sports Trust make sure if you are concerned about your club and you want to make sure it survives and in a, in a good state, that you become a member of the Supporters Trust. Thank you to Chris Iwellamu. 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 Definitely Iwellamu. He uh, told us. I know he did. I'm just checking. I forget things. Uh, thanks for, uh, for the interview. Uh, and again, thank you for downloading this podcast and spending it, taking a bit of time out of your life to listen to us three ramble on. As we're saying goodbye, that the Reading players are, are leaving the stadium, and Noel Hunt has got one of the Watford shirts. Clearly, feels uh, yeah, swapping, it's a, a, a memento. I've got to tell you, okay. gee, while I'm not feeling very positive, I hate Noel Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> what a piece! <laughs> what an absolute piece of work he is. He's just one of those, isn't he? You're he's like, got a face your mother wouldn't love. Yeah, <laughs> God, he's just uh, just one of those nasty footballers. There's no chance of signing him, is there? By the way, yeah. <laughs> just in case. Well. Anyway, see you, Noel Hunt. Get out of get out of that round. Okay, thank you very much, Dan. The podcast. Uh, we're back with our way game special. I'm going to be positive, Michael. Finish on a big. Come on, you horns. Go on. Come on, please, Watford. Come on, you horns. Come on, you horns.